Welcome to the Birth of a Mama podcast, a place for sharing what it's like to become a mother in this modern world. I'm your host, Natalie Welch, postpartum dietitian and coach, and mom to one spirited little girl. Listen in to hear a variety of firsthand experiences and intuitive understanding that comes from going through it and thriving out the other side to tell the tale. From pain and exhaustion to immense love and joy, come here for the unfiltered realities that no one seems to talk about when it comes to postpartum and beyond, because your story matters. Now let's talk about it. Hey everyone, in today's episode, I have health coach Amanda Rakowski on the podcast. She's a brand new mama to her baby girl, living on mini farmland with her husband and their five animals. She shares about how her experience was the polar opposite of what she really prepared for. She prepared for a birth center birth, but she went past 42 weeks and was induced in the hospital and labored for days before needing a C-section. She still got her midwife care, which she speaks to the benefits of throughout the episode. And a major theme she shares of learning and really benefiting from greatly is the art of letting things go. Something I think most mamas or just really people in general could totally use in their daily lives. Amanda's so laid back, easy to talk to, and she shares so openly about many aspects of her short, she's only 11 weeks postpartum at the time of our recording, motherhood journey thus far. I hope you guys enjoy her story. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth of a Mama podcast. Today, I have Amanda Rakowski on the show with me. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm super stoked to be here. I haven't been on a podcast in a really long time, and I'm excited that this gets to be my first one talking about motherhood and all the things. So I'm really stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm just really excited to have you here as well. I've followed you for so long on Instagram, and I feel like I know you personally, but I've never met you in person. But it's just so nice to connect with you again and have you on today to share your story. So let's start with you telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your family. So I am 36. I waited a while to start a family, um, but I've been married since 2011. So what is that, like 12 12 years or something like that? Um, And my husband and I live in Nashville area, Tennessee. Uh, We have five animals and a new baby. So... I didn't realize you wild around here. (laughs) I didn't realize you had five. That's like a whole zoo. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Wait, how many? Okay. So you have how many dogs? Two dogs that are large and then three cats. Oh, three cats. Okay. I was like, Mm -hmm. are we, am I missing like a lizard or something? (laughs) We used to have a lizard and we used to have a bird. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it. I grew up with a ton (laughs) of animals too. My dad used to run um, a bird seed business. Super random. But for some reason that I guess like filtered over into we had a lot of animals in the home. That makes sense. I love it. So yeah. That's awesome. I'm uh, so happy for you and your new family. So I love to start with um, my listeners, you know, if they had to describe the transition into motherhood in just three words, which would they choose? I love asking this question. Um, Raw, instinctual, and loving. Like, I never thought I could love somebody so much. Yeah. It's that little baby. Yeah. I know. It's insane. You think you know yeah. what love is. I feel like we go through this continuum, like, of growth with love throughout our lives. Like, we're little and we yeah. think we know what love is and it's one thing. And then we are teenagers and we think we're in love. And then we're, you know, adults and we have a romantic relationship and maybe we get married. And then there's another kind of love. And then you have a child and it's like a whole nother universe of feeling that's so true and like it sounds so cliche because everybody says it like you think you know what love is until you have a baby it sounds so cliche but it's so true I know there's no other way to put it it does sound so cliche it's like okay rinse and repeat we've heard that before but it's like okay well until you've done it it's like okay I get it it'll click yeah yeah (laughs) okay so let's start off with you um explaining your pregnancy um, and and if you prepared for the postpartum period at at all. Yeah. So pregnancy was pretty easy-ish, like in comparison to some, how intense pregnancy can be. Um, 
you know, I was active throughout my entire pregnancy. The first trimester was rough though. Not even going to lie. Like I was dizzy, nauseous, like constantly. And towards the end, it got rough again. Um, just like, you know, your hips start to do weird things and it just starts to hurt a lot. Um, but aside from that, like it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing. Um, I did like throw up every day. I feel like it kind of prepares you for motherhood because you're like expectations. Like you're going from life before where it's just everything's so easy and easy breezy. Like there's not much like interfering with your life energy, whatever you want to do. It's just like, you could just feel however you want to feel, do whatever you want to want to do. And then you're pregnant and it's like, you know, you have almost no control over how food affects you, what you want to eat, like literally so many things. And I feel like that kind of starts to prepare you for motherhood, labor, all of that stuff, because it's just, you know, it's such a huge transitional period. So I feel like it slowly starts to like get you accustomed to kind of pushing that edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it kind of forces you to like surrender, right? Because you no longer have control. You know, yeah. you're no longer the agent person of your of your own <laughs> life, which is crazy yeah. to think about. But that's exactly what happens. Yeah. 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 It really is just like it is designed, I think, to prepare you for like changing your expectations, going more with the flow, just all those kind of skills that you need to be a mom. Yeah. A hundred percent. I felt the same way. And honestly, to me, I interpreted it as like torture. I thought it was torturous. <laughs> like I'm good That's now, fair. but for a minute I was like, what have I done? You know, Yeah. <laughs> like oh, what's, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And then to prepare for postpartum, I did, I did a lot of preparing for labor. My goal was, my goal um, was, you know, to have a natural unmedicated birth um, as close to like God as I could be, you know, that was like the whole vision. Mm-hmm. It did not happen, but <laughs> the whole opposite <laughs> happened. And, but like, that's what I was preparing for mentally, emotionally with all the things that you buy for like your, your like postpartum cart in your bathroom, you know, like all those things. Yeah. Um, and, I didn't really like prepare. I feel like the whole journey of pregnancy and all of the things and just I'm I work out and I do personal growth, all of that stuff already had pre pregnancy prepared me for like mindset stuff. And all of the things I already do in my lifestyle. So, you know, I think that was kind of built in but yeah. And, and let me think what else, like, I really just wanted to make sure that it was as free flowing and easy as it could be. So I tried to set myself for, up for success postpartum with like plans for food, how, like, who's going to take care of the animals? What are my expectations? That kind of stuff. I, and you know, like with family members or visitors and all those things that can become such a stressor when you're newly postpartum and have no idea how your emotions are going to be. I really just wanted to set myself up for success in that realm too, to make sure that like everyone knows that we're just, I was like, we're going to go with the flow. We're going to play it by ear. So let's check in. Everybody check in first to see if we want visitors, how we're going to feel, what we're going to do and just like set the stage so that it wasn't like nobody was trying to bombard. And thankfully we don't have people in our life who do bombard, but it's still, you want to set that expectation. And I think that helped a lot for like mental health postpartum. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's so important too. Cause like, even if you said you don't have people in your life that bombard things change, like people change when you're pregnant and you have a baby, I swear people become so different. All of a sudden they're like, want to be involved and they want to, you know, like come over and help the baby. And so I just think that's so smart of you that you had a, a postpartum plan. I think it's, you just absolutely 
unquestionably need to have one. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if you remain flexible and maybe you don't even stick to the plan, like having something in place so that when you do come to this, like, oh my God moment, what what do we do? Or like, you know, how do we, how do we get through this? You have something you can kind of refer to and be like, oh, here's what we talked about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's great that you, you guys did that. That's really smart, mm-hmm. especially with your first. Cause a lot of times I know people that they're like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like we planned for the birth, but you know, once the baby's there, we figured we'd just figure it out. And it's like, yeah. oh, good luck with that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, some things you do learn on the fly, but you've really got to have like right. a plan. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Some things are going to just be instinctual and you'll just kind of like know what to do and it'll just feel right. But then yeah, with like visitors, like do you want them to come over and hold the baby or do you want them to come over and like do your dishes or bring a meal or like straighten up a little bit or let you take a shower, you know, like having those things, like a literal list of like, here's what I want or need or what I think I'm going to, you know, anticipate that we're going to want or need is so helpful. Absolutely. So love that. Okay. Well let's, let's go on with a overview of your birth story. So, like I said, we planned for like an unmedicated birth, uh, you know, at a birth center that was absolutely gorgeous, you know, had all the vibes, low intervention with midwives to like for support and a doula and all the things. Um, But we went to 42 weeks with zero action. And I personally, like I could have gone over more. I mean, in all reality and just showed up at the hospital when I was late in labor. Um, but I didn't feel super comfortable with that, you know, and I, I wish I was one of those people that could like, cause I'm very like, let's trust my body. Let's trust God, like all the things to, you know, support this natural function of my body. My baby knows when to be born. My body knows what to do all of those things. But, um, I also like, didn't want to push it too far, you know? So I was like, let's just not be induced. I would, didn't want to be induced. I didn't want any of intervention or anything like that. But once we got to 42 weeks, it was like we, the birth center wouldn't take us anymore um, because it's like high risk, obviously. And then, um, so we went to the hospital to get induced and, you know, my perception is like, to me, that's like a fast track to a C-section. That's what it felt like a lot of interventions with medications and all the things can happen, can tend to lead to a C-section because complications and all the things. And I was just like, so upset because that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be in flow with my body, you know, (laughs) like, um, so we did end up like having all of the interventions, like as much as we tried to, you know, slow the induction slow. And we obviously like, you don't take Pitocin right away. I wasn't dilated at all. So, um, they had to give me, I forget what it was like an oral something to start dilation. Um, and like we went in on a Thursday night and we didn't have her till Saturday night. Um, And so it was like a long process. And Mm -hmm. once we did have like the Pitocin, I did get the epidural because I was laboring well, naturally without an epidural. Um, And there was absolutely no freaking way I was going to take a Pitocin um, contraction (laughs) without the epidural. So I was like, let's just freaking go. I don't care anymore. Um, I was tired and exhausted at that point and just, you know, and the way we went in, it was midnight. I didn't sleep. It just like was like a rest. It was not set up the way I wanted. Everything was just not what I wanted. So we ended up like she didn't like her little body didn't like the Pitocin. And so it was like messing with her heart rate and all that stuff. So we were like not dilating past seven centimeters and or like the best thing to do is to have a C-section for the health of the baby. Um, after trying, she would, so she was stuck behind my pelvic bone and she wasn't like dropping in. Um, so I think that's like why I wasn't dilating. Um, so it turned out that I had scar tissue on my cervix. So it wasn't opening naturally. Um, and then also she wasn't engaged on my cervix cause she was stuck behind my pelvic bone. So it was like, those two things were 
delaying any sort of progress whatsoever. And we tried everything to get her like in a different position, but it just wasn't happening. So obviously you're just like, whatever we can do to get this baby here safely. And I don't want her to be like struggling in there. Um, so let's just do the C-section and that's what we did. And you know, she is the most perfect, beautiful little girl ever. Um, and I just, I did struggle a lot with the whole thing. You know, it wasn't like a super traumatic birth necessarily. It just was like so much of unexpected change and completely opposite of what I wanted, you know, and what I had envisioned for nine months. Yeah. So it was hard to accept at first. It took a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you? How are Cause that's, yeah, that's like the actual polar opposite of everything that you wanted and imagined and planned for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I imagine you didn't plan at all for like, what if we need a C-section? Yeah. So, no. oh my gosh, that's just a whirlwind. Yeah. And literally days of being in labor too on top of then going into major abdominal surgery yeah that you're just like I don't want to do this but obviously I have to do you know like it's out of your control at this point yeah and you're just kind of surrendering to like what's happening (laughs) to you which (laughs) is traumatic that is traumatic when you lose power and control of like like very intense serious things like that like surgery is very intense birth itself even physiologically natural birth can be like nothing can go quote unquote wrong and it can Mm -hmm. still be perceived as traumatic because it's just very intense and it can happen really quick it can take a really long time so you can be physically exhausted mentally exhausted Mm -hmm. so yeah I can I I can't imagine how are you feeling about all of it now have you do you feel like you've processed it and kind of like come to terms or are you still kind of struggling yeah Yeah, it's been I'm 11 weeks today postpartum And thank you. Um, And, you know, I am not stoked on my scar. um, So that whole thing is still, I think that's going to take time. Um, And once I can start doing like scar tissue remediation and stuff and all that kind of to like move things around so it's not so tight and uncomfortable, I think it'll, you know, that'll be helpful. But it's still like weird. My body doesn't feel, you know, and I'm I'm sure that's with any birth in general, just your body doesn't feel normal for a while. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in those first few, it probably took me like a month, at least at, at least a month to accept it. I think once I was able to move around more, because you're pretty stagnant, you know, you can't, I, I couldn't bend down. I needed help to like pull up my pants for the longest time. Um, And so when you literally can't even pull up your own pants, it's like you feel so powerless and mad, um, hurt, disappointed, all of the things. And the fact that I needed to take medication for the pain and I'm somebody who's like pretty crunchy, like I didn't even take Tylenol during pregnancy And now all of a sudden I'm having to take meds and I'm breastfeeding also. And they said it's safe, but also I'm like, there's so much guilt from the whole thing um, that I was just like sitting with because I couldn't move. I couldn't walk really. And you're supposed to walk, but it was hurtful. Like it hurt to walk and couldn't carry my baby. So there's like a lot of things that were really challenging in the beginning mentally because you just needed so much help, you know, and I'm sure after labor in general, you need a lot of help. Um, but add to that, like a surgery, it was just really hard. Um, cause I'm, I'm like a doer, you know? So, it took a while. Um, and once I was able to start moving more, I started light exercise at six weeks. Like I literally just like sat and snuggled a baby for six weeks. Like I didn't do anything. Um, maybe a couple walks here and there. And that was like, that was kind of the goal. Um, you know, like the first 40 days postpartum is supposed to be like, you, you know, relax and sit like, 
don't do anything pretty much to heal. And that was my plan. But now that I'm looking back, if I didn't have the C-section, I probably wouldn't have stuck to that plan at all because I would have been up and doing things, you yeah. know? Yeah. So anyways, it was, it was really challenging on so many levels, but you know, once you can move and start to feel a little bit more normal, it starts to fade away a little bit. Yeah. Thank God. Everything is like a set amount of time, right? Like it all comes to an end eventually. Like that was even with labor, right? Like with me, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Like this is never going to end. And then of course it does. Right. Eventually (laughs) in one way or another, they take the baby out of you or you push it out one way or another it ends. So like, thank God for that. But like, like six weeks is a long time to just be sitting around and trying to heal and also be reliant on your husband essentially, right. To do like so many basic things for you that you once could do on your own. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's so hard. I wanted to circle back really quick before we move forward to the scar tissue on your cervix. Did they have any like thing to say about that? Is that something that's common or I'm just curious? Yeah, it is pretty common. Like if you've ever had any sort of like procedure, um, I had a polyp removed a couple Mm -hmm. years ago where they had Mm -hmm. to open my cervix, insert tools. Um, so if anybody's had sort of any type of procedure, then you're, you probably have scar tissue. Um, and the thing is, is I was working with midwives and I didn't like your cervical checks and stuff are optional. Mm -hmm. And I was like, really, what's the point? Like the baby, you could be zero dilated one day and like five centimeters the next day, like how dilated you are in the process doesn't determine when you're going to go into labor. So I was like, what's the point? So I never got my cervix checked. And if I did sooner than I would have known that I had, you know, scar tissue there. And cause I had no idea. Um, but once we found it, which was like, you know, after we're thinking, Hey, what are, what can we do to like induce labor naturally? Um, and my midwife suggested primrose oil to like soften the cervix. So I could have done stuff like that sooner or they could have like massaged my cervix to kind of help to break up the scar tissue. It was when Mm -hmm. I started to go in to get membrane sweeps, you know, to try to move things along when I was past 40 weeks or I think we didn't start that till like 41. I got like three and, you know, nothing moved along. (laughs) But um, so it, you know, it was something that I had no idea could even be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense when you think about it, but then you're like, well, does that mean every woman that has scar tissue would have a problem? Like probably not. And then every woman, like you might not even know that you have the scar tissue, even if you did have a procedure, like you might not put two and two together, you know, like it makes me think of, um, so they, they screen for HPV and there's certain strains of the HPV that are more cancerous than others. Right. Right. And so then if you have the ones that are cancerous, they want to do a biopsy called a colposcopy where they go in there and they literally remove a chunk of your cervix. Oh wow! And I was supposed to go do that. And I turned it down because I was like, that sounds so invasive, not to mention painful. I asked, I was like, do you give me anything for it? They're like, no. I'm like, I'm sorry, but if you were told a man that you had to take a chunk of his penis, like a biopsy (laughs) of his penis, and you told him you weren't giving him anything, he would not, he would be like, absolutely not. Like, you're giving me something. No, that's wild. And women are just like, oh, okay, sure. You know, like, what the F? No, (laughs) it hurts. It's not okay. Yeah. It hurts. (laughs) That's a sensitive piece of our body. Like, why do we not treat it like it is? what it is, you know? So anyway, absolutely. that's a whole tangent on cervixes, but <laughs> like, it's that's important wild. to talk about. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you had your, your, your C-section, um, you had your baby. Um, how are those moments right after? Like, obviously it's a completely different experience again than what you were expecting. Yeah. How did, how did right after that go oh and gosh. how long were you in the hospital and all that before you got to go home? So, you know, my, my intention was like the whole, I pull the baby out, put her on my chest. She does the newborn crawl or whatever it's called. The crawl to my breast and breastfeed, like yeah, delayed cord clamping. Don't wipe the vernix. Like literally the whole thing, none of it happens. Like they were scrubbing her like as soon as she came out. And I, I look back now, I'm like, could I have asked for delayed cord clamping? Like they could take my placenta out with her. I feel like, yeah, I I mean, they have to take it out anyway, right? Like it has to come out of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I didn't have that. Like I wanted at least 10 minutes um, and all of that. But with the epidural, like I was so sensitive to it. I was like numb up to here to my cheeks and it, I was like shaking and I know shaking is very common with epidural and just labor in general. So it was like all of that. Plus it was up to my face. My mouth is chattering. And so I'm like so distracted. Yeah. Yeah. It was really giving me chills. Like thinking I'm like thinking of being in this circumstance and I'm just like, Oh my God. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like shaking. I, I can't like think straight and I'm, you know, they're like, showing me her through like the plastic and, um, and then they bring her around. And so when she cried, like when she was out and she cried, I was like, she has the most beautiful voice. It was just like, you know, you wonder how they're going to sound all that time, what they're going to look like. And, um, that was really cool. And, uh, but then I started to feel really not good and they knocked me out. So I'm not sure what happened after that. Um, and they gave her to Derek and he was taking care of her, doing skin to skin, doing all those, those things with her. Um, and I woke up in the post surgery room. Um, and I was just like not feeling good cause I was on so much medicine, you know, yeah. just like so many drugs and I'm like, ugh. But yeah, so it's like kind of blurry. I don't really remember a lot. Like I just remember waking up and there's so many people in there because I think my blood pressure dropped or increased. It probably dropped like Derek doesn't remember what they said, but I imagine if I have blood coming out, it's probably dropping. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just like a lot going on (laughs) and they thought they were going to have to put us in a like really shitty like postpartum room because all of their like, you know, post delivery rooms were full, but one opened up and we didn't have to basically stay in a closet. Thank God. Um, (laughs) that would have been even more traumatic because already the whole setting of the room that we labored in and everything was like not the vibe at all. So yeah, we were there for three days. Um, it was actually really helpful because, you know, I had no idea about babies or anything other than like the research that I did before, but we had a lot of help with, uh, lactation consultants. Um, they did like a tongue tie remediation. They really supported breastfeeding. They really supported us, um, in that postpartum space. There was so much help, so much support, which I'm just like really grateful for because I really needed it. So Yeah. You know, and I love that. I love acknowledging and hearing of all these different experiences and perspectives and because, you know, it can be really easy to fall in one camp or the other. And I used to be like so crunchy about birth and like birth has to be, you know, like all natural physio, like at home even, you know, like hospitals are evil, yada, yada. (laughs) And it's just like so not necessarily true, like at all. Right. Like you can have a positive experience maybe not the whole time but like you can have positive experiences in a hospital setting and I've heard that a lot and that was the my experience as well at least for some of it was just having people that you know are the experts around you 24 7 literally there to step in at any moment if if you need them and for all the things like for breastfeeding for you and your own healing for your baby for your husband like you know there's there's someone there for everybody and when you're at home or you're in a birth center you go home much sooner and then you don't have Mm. that support and that that support can be um really really helpful um especially in a case like yours where it's like you're going through some major healing you, Mm -hmm. this is the first time you're doing any of this, you know, like, and you had to be knocked out. Like, do you, how long were you out for? And like, when you came back? I'm really not sure. Um, I don't think it was that long, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, you know, yeah. If I went to the birth center, I would have, I think the longest you stay is like 12 hours, 24, if anything, if there's like, um, you know, jaundice or something, you would stay longer. But yeah, uh, so that was really helpful. And as much as the environment wasn't the vibe, I sometimes still think that hospitals are evil, but you know, 
<laughs> sometimes have, they like, are. A lot know? of times they there are horror stories and like it happened like things happen. There's yeah. like obstetric violence, obstetric rape. There's mm. you are telling them no and they don't listen to you. Like Ugh, it can yeah. absolutely be hell and a nightmare. Yeah. Um but it can also be really positive. It can be. You know, it just yeah. really depends on the individual person's what they're needing and wanting and asking for are they being hurt like are you being heard it depends on how your your perspective and how you're experiencing it right so Absolutely. it's just so very there's so many variations but glad yeah. to know that you had a positive experience well you know afterwards yeah. at least I, I think it was really helpful because I still had a midwife team um mm-hmm. so I didn't see a single OB until we were like seeing surgical OBs for the c-section um and everybody was so supportive. Like I printed out my birth preferences. Um, so that is one thing I did prepare for labor that I wanted to share is I printed my birth preferences and I don't want to say plan cause you know, obviously things don't always go as planned and you just have your preferences. And what I really wanted to focus on at the top of the page, cause I had my list of like delayed clamping, don't wipe the vernix, like those like things, but it was more the feeling that I like the environment of feeling how I wanted to feel during this laboring process, you know, and I lifted listed that at the top of the page and every person that came in had that on their clipboard, you know, like they really took it seriously. Yeah. So that was really cool. I felt really supported in that. And, you know, as much as it didn't go as planned, they really wanted to, you know, keep it as close to the vibe as I wanted. Um, so I think it was a combination of having those midwives, like being a part of the midwife team, because they do tend to be a little more, obviously, like less medicine, medication forward, you know, more like natural, um, yeah. you know, kind of mindset. And then the nurse team was really great. So, you know. I think that's, I swear, like, that's what made it a huge difference was that I had them there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, and did they, did they get to, um, did they come to your ho- your home at all afterwards? Or did you get anything postpartum from them? No, um, just so they're an extension of the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they weren't like a solo team, you know, that came to the yeah. house or anything. But I did get a lot of support in my postpartum visits. I hear from people that mostly everyone focuses on the baby and then six weeks they're like, boom, you're out of here. Like you can have sex, you can work out like, right. And there's not much more to that, but Mm -hmm. I did see them like three or four times postpartum. Um, and it was a lot of focus on me. Like they didn't focus on the baby at all because she had her pediatrician. Um, so it was all like, making sure I'm healing properly, making sure the scar is good. Like, am I getting like, how's my emotional state? How's, how's my support system? How am I feeling? Um, and, and these s- were the midwives mm-hmm. you were going to see them postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. so this should be standard of care. Like this I is, agree. I think that it's ridiculous that we have the one six week checkup and it's like, Oh, yep. You're good. You can yeah. start moving around and having sex with your partner again. Like, bye. <laughs> yeah. I saw them like, a couple days after I came home, I went back to see them for a checkup and then week two and then I think a week four and then a week six or something. Um, so I saw them a lot and they prescribed um, physical therapy, which a lot of people don't postpartum, which is wild. Another <laughs> thing that should just be standard. Of, I don't remember. I think it was like a reel or something and I saw and it was like, you know, it was like a spoof where a woman was going back and forth in her reel and being one character and being another. And it was like her and her new baby. And then she was like a nurse and she was in Switzerland. Like she'd moved to Switzerland and the nurse is like, oh, by the way, your your um, pelvic floor physical therapy appointment is this day. And she was like, oh, uh, I didn't schedule that. Like, I don't, they're like, oh no, no, it's standard of care. Like she's like, oh no, it's okay. Like I'm fine. This is, you know, like, I don't need that. I can't afford that. And they're like, oh no, no, it's covered by your insurance. And she was like, Okay. And then they're like, oh, and then um, the nurse midwife is going to come to your home on this date, this date, this date, this date. And she's like, oh, no, no, I can't afford that either. And it's fine. This is my third baby. So like, I got it. I don't think I need that. And she was like, well, if you don't need help with anything, like she can just cook you for your food or clean the house or just hang out with you and talk. And she was like, well, that sounds really expensive. I can't afford that. She's like, no, it's included with your insurance. I'm like, and this is actually how it is there. I'm like, what is wrong with our system? Like, why do (laughs) we not see how important that is? Yeah. 
and that yeah. that should not be a luxury, which it is currently because you have to pay out of pocket thousands of mm-hmm. dollars to get care like that. Or you have to severely advocate for yourself, like even just getting a single physical therapy yeah. appointment to check out your per- pelvic floor, which to me, yes. it's like it does. It literally makes no sense. You break a bone and you automatically go see a physical therapist, right? Because you, right. you need to heal. But you have a whole human child birthed out of you through your pelvis. And we're like, oh, no, we don't need to check that out. Like, right. it's fine. Just right. just continue on. Go back to your normal life. Go back to work ASAP. Like, Yeah, what? it's crazy. It yeah. is absolutely crazy. I saw that reel and I was like, man, I want to move to Switzerland. <laughs> right? Like, this like, is just... Let's go. Or change things here would be would be you know, ideal. <laughs> Ideally, but that'll take who knows how long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just the a mindset throughout the entire system. Mm-hmm. So it'll take a lot to change. I feel like. Yeah. It'll take a lot. All right. So you're back home and how did the first like couple of weeks of new mama life go for you? Um, so it was pretty good. I mean, aside from the frustration of the C-section and not being able to move and the pain and all that uh, with, you know, we had friends who paid to clean our house, like had somebody come clean our house, like uh, Derek's parents would clean the house. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of support in that people would send food. Somebody set up a meal train for us. So um, all of that stuff was really good. Like I feel super blessed. Um and it was, all, I think it was partly too, like that was part of the intention and the plan that we had intentionally set out. Like we wanted, like if people asked how they could help or like food, cleaning, you know, things that we knew that would be a challenge. Um, and so, yeah, that was really good. Breastfeeding was hard. Um, it was really painful. And I think part of it was because I was also pumping and, like, I think pumping would be easier now, but I pretty much exclusively breastfeed without the pump. Every so often I'll pump and just, I'm, I would like to build up some sort of a stash, but, uh, it was really challenging. Lots of crying, um, you know, <laughs> all of that. But, uh, also my husband did like went away for a week for training for work. I think it was my second or third week postpartum. So that was rough. And I was like by myself. Um, but at the same time, it was really helpful because he had been doing pretty much everything. I couldn't carry the baby. Like I couldn't even stand and hold her. So I could really only hold her sitting down or laying down. So, um, it really just threw me in the trenches in a lot of ways, but it was like, I kind of needed it you know, to feel confident because I was feeling really unable to do anything and just like so incompetent in, in like caring for a human. So it really helped me just kind of go for it. And he was, well, he was gone for like five days, but it felt like forever. (laughs) Um, So yeah, there was a lot of like learning, um, the, the hormonal drop that they talk about is so real. Um, like I would feel rage, sadness. I would just be crying cause I'm so happy. Just like all the things. <laughs> um, and, but I think with that, just having the expectation that it's going to happen, um, that you're not going insane, that it's normal to like have all these very intense emotions in the beginning. I think that was just really the first week, you know, yeah. it was kind of yeah. intense. It kind of went away after that. But um, just knowing that it's going to happen, um, having a mindset around it, that's kind of like go with the flow, you know, just let it go. It, you know, don't take things too seriously uh, really helped with kind of working through those tough emotions and, you know, yeah, it just, I think having like a go with the flow kind of mindset really helped me in those first few weeks. Yeah. That's so wise. And it's taken me until now (laughs) to, to adopt that. And I'm almost 22 months after having my, my daughter. So, um, but yeah, that is honestly, like, I don't know how you 
survive as a mom without that kind of a mind. Like you have, like, it's just nothing is going to go how you want it to go because Mm -hmm. you now have this completely separate human being who has their own needs and is going to do their own things. Mm -hmm. And that just continues to develop as they get older and, um, yeah, you really have to figure out how to like let you go, essentially, yeah. you know, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> and like laugh about things that normally you would be like, oh, f this, you know, like yeah. or you know, want to just like walk out of a room because you're so pissed off. It's like, oh, haha, oh well, yeah. you know, let's clean it up <laughs> or let's let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's been really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think mindset is a huge, huge, huge part of all of this. Like. And I think that really has helped with breastfeeding too, like having low stress, you know, relaxing, not trying to push things to like, I, I feel like, you know, sleep schedules and feeding schedules and all these things where they want to put you in a box and put your baby in a box and, um, kind of force routines so early on is really detrimental to the entire process and like causes so much stress for everyone. But if you just go with the flow and like, just, you know, when she's hungry, you feed her like, who cares if it's been 30 minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you just do, you just, I don't know. It just really has helped a lot with just the whole thing and not feeling so fra- I don't feel like frazzled, you know, because I'm not trying mm-hmm. to force anything. Yeah. Cause you feel bad. Cause you're like, Oh, I can't stick to this one schedule or, you know, it, it really comes down to like what works for you. Like what right. works for Amanda is going to be different than what works for Natalie is going to be different than what works for the next person. Right. And mm-hmm. I, and we need to stop pushing other people's stuff on other especially moms I think moms are so bad at this and I don't know why because we need each other's support more than anything yeah. but we're so quick to like we as in like the collective mom population but like are so quick to like judge and just be like oh well this is what worked for me and so this is what you need to be you should be doing and right like you know you're messing up your kid because you're not doing it how I did or whatever and it's like, <laughs> if, like- that, if that's not what works for them right. then why do you care? Like, it's none of your business, you know, like every, right. it's going to be different from one family to the next. So it's like, yeah, like some, some families co-sleep and some plan families put in a separate crib, you know, yeah. like pretty early on. And it's like, everyone has their opinion about the other one. Right. And it's, that's yeah. fine. And as long as you're doing things safely and you're not like harming your child, I don't think that there's like any real opinion or input that's helpful typically, mm-hmm. you know? I agree. Unless it's like a safety thing. Like, oh, I'm going to give you this information because actually what you're doing is really unsafe. That's different than like, oh, you're not following a schedule or or you're feeding your child on demand. Yeah. Oh, you're you're breastfeeding versus formula feeding. Oh, well, formula is so bad for your baby. You're you're like killing your baby. It's like, that's (laughs) not necessary. You know, like you don't know why someone is choosing not to breastfeed or maybe they physically can't. Right. You know, so there's there's just so many reasons why we do what we do as moms. So. Yeah. It sounds like you are so wise and you're only 11 weeks in and you seem to have like <laughs> just so much wisdom about you. You're already letting things go. You're going with the flow. Like you have your non-schedule. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> so let's see. How about up until now? So we talked about like the first couple weeks, like how have things been going since you, I mean, you're still technically like in the newborn phase. So because yeah. you're, you're not even 12 weeks yet out. So yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, I think things are going pretty well now. Uh, I'm able to leave the house with her and that was a really scary thing. <laughs> like I swear everything was scary. Everything putting her in a wrap to carry her. I was scared. She was going to just like fall out the bottom and like splatter on the floor. Like the mental, messed upness like oh yeah the intrusive thoughts are crazy the (laughs) amount of weird crazy fucked up stuff I have imagined happening to me or her yeah I'm like 
why would I, what is wrong with my brain? But it's, I mean, it's, it's normal to a certain extent. If it's happening yes. all the time and it's like debilitating and you can't function, yes. that's a problem. Same thing with like the rage and like the sadness and the crying. If that's going on longer than like two-ish weeks, then mm-hmm. you might have some postpartum mood disorder stuff going on. But yeah. some intrusive thoughts here or there, like just thinking of tripping down the stairs or something and dropping her and her, like you said, splattering or something yeah. like <laughs> That's somewhat it's, normal when it yeah. happens here and there. Yeah. Absolutely. But I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. It's like everything you're like, is she alive back there in the car seat? Like, right. Did she just stop breathing out of nowhere? Like, right. Like, yeah. are, are you still alive? Um, are you going to splatter on the floor? Like, that's my two things uh, that are always. <laughs> like splattering like falling and just like it's not funny but it's hilarious because it's, it's yeah. like obviously she's not gonna <laughs> she's just not gonna like splatter <laughs> but like it's she so might dramatic <laughs> it's so dramatic but then it's like <laughs> i feel like it kind of helps you to take extra precaution <laughs> you know you're like let me hold on tight <laughs> while i'm going down the stairs let me make sure to squeeze a little tighter you know like it's so much responsibility that it's it's it is scary, you know. Yeah. Like you're you're responsible for this whole other life, and it's, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. It really is. And like she literally is always staring at me, like watching my every move. You know that <laughs> you know that one sound that's like I always catch you staring. You know, um, I I don't think I've heard it. Is it something that goes on you, on Instagram or something? Yeah, it's like you yeah. always looking at me, dude. It's just so funny. I always think about that when she's looking at me. I can picture it. (laughs) But she's like watching every single move and I'm like, okay, I feel the pressure, you know, to be a good person because you're like setting an example from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So I take that very seriously. Like, and that's part of why I waited till I was 35 to get pregnant because I wasn't sure if I wanted to start a family. I have a lot of history in my past of like really a messed up childhood. And so I had to really do a lot of work on my mindset and there's still more to be had. Like it's not done. And I know this is, everybody goes through, you know, a huge personal growth journey with being a parent, you know, Mm -hmm. if you are open to it, if not, you just pass down the bullshit yeah, ideally you go through a huge growth. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I hope so, but I I guess like history has taught us that a lot of people don't. Um, but hopefully more people do. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're breaking that. That's our yes. generation's job apparently, which is just even more responsibility, which makes it even harder. I know. You know, breaking the generational trauma. It's like, oh God, just add it to the list of things I got to do. I know. Can I just be like a human? Just like, can yeah. I, can't like... I get so mad that I have to work so hard to like move forward through all the gook in my head. Like can't Mm -hmm. I'm just like, can I just exist and be happy and not have to work through so much crap all the time? It's like annoying, but I it's, I want to my daughter to have that, like to not have to break so many bad thought patterns and belief systems and all the things and just to be like a happy loving normal person who can handle life without turning to drugs and alcohol and you know questionable life choices and hating themselves confident to be themselves yeah to just show up who they are and not feel ashamed and whatever and yeah have to like numb out with things and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's the job (laughs) it sounds like kind of simple when we talk about it like that but it's so complicated no it's and constant work constant yeah Yeah. and I know it could feel like so I try to think about it like okay we're gonna mess up so if, if we so when we come into that conversation like oh there's we want our children to not have to break any bad behavior that we ourselves put on them. So it almost leads us to feel like we have to be perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to help them or whatever. And by doing so, like suppressing everything inside of us. But I think that really is, we're definitely going to mess up, but then like 
facing it in front of them or being mm-hmm. like, listen, I know I really, I got mad and I yelled and, you know, having the conversations with them versus like sweeping things under the rug, I think yeah. is really how we can help instead of trying to be perfect, but trying to be open and human with them and like teaching them how to remediate something that, you know, was a, you lashed out or whatever, you know, just like trying to help them through that by doing it yourself in front of them. That's the best way. Cause like, it's going to happen that mm-hmm. time that it happened and then it's going to probably happen again. Right. Cause we're still going through the work ourselves. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And as much as we're doing all this work to help it, you know, help them so that it's not as hard for them. Like they're still going to have their moments too in life. Right. Cause that's just part of the human experience. So yeah. demonstrating to them, like here, this is how you handle this. We don't just walk away from it. If we need some time, that's okay. But we have to communicate that to the person that we're in this relationship with that we're, you know, whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's them, you know, sometimes we're, we get upset at them and we yell at them or whatever. We, say something and we regret it and we yeah. need to like own up to that and tell them that we're sorry and we didn't mean it and you know give them a hug and um show them that this is how you can resolve things right and you know like you said remediate like that's so important and it's really hard to do like it sounds so straightforward when you talk about it when you just talk through a hypothetical situation it's right. like oh well, of course like that's what you do but then when you're in the moment mm-hmm. it is way harder to actually do yeah. those actions. I know. We'll see yeah. how it goes. <laughs> I'm not in the parenting <laughs> stage. Like I'm just in a keeping a baby alive stage. So, right. you know. It'll come. It'll yeah. come. You're going to do great. You're going to do great, Amanda. Thanks. I just know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, you got this. <laughs> I'm excited and nervous, but yeah, I'm like. That's normal. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, she's little and I could use these months to a year or whatever. I don't know when you have to start like rearing, but, um, (laughs) you know, it's, you know, I think we can use this time to really, I don't know, like figure it out, like grab hold on to the fact that we're going to be doing that. And we're not just like, I appreciate that it's all like gradual, you know, like you have some time to kind of like step into it because you become a mom or you get pregnant, you're like, Oh my God, how am I going to raise a child? I don't know what I'm doing, but you have, it's gradual. So you have some time to like figure it out. Like as your baby is going through a leap, they're going through stages. So are you like, you're going through a stage and you start to build upon what you've learned and done in the previous stage. So it's like, we got to have some grace with ourselves and know that we don't have to be like this perfect parent and we're going to have it all figured out. But we can trust ourselves and know to enough to know that we're going to be able to figure it out and we're learning on the way. Like there's no way to be fully prepared and there know isn't. all the things and do all the things, have all the right answers, like before they're even born, you know, you have to like yeah. go through it and that's how you learn is through what the mistakes you've made and yeah. Whatever. Learn by doing. This is the ultimate, the ultimate learn by doing experience. I mean, Planning is helpful and it can prepare you for like how to navigate a a circumstance or a situation, but it's going to be so unique, even from one child to the next within the same family, right? Like it's, it's just going to be so different every time. So you really just have to take it like day to time. I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with like the, the surrendering and the the letting it go and the going with the flow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a level of like, handling something and being prepared and having a plan, right? Of course, that's going to help guide you. But yeah, when it comes down to like the in the moment, like little decisions. And I think it helps too to like practice with a partner. You have a relationship with your partner. You have things that are going to come up with your partner. You have disagreements and, you know, Mm -hmm. that will help you with like as your child gets bigger and they start talking or they say having their own behaviors and they get more independent and they can walk around and they can get into stuff. Yeah. You know, having those, you can kind of practice (laughs) with your partner in a way, you know, with those like moments of like having to resolve something and um, that can really help too. That's a good point. And like, especially a relationship goes through a lot. Like when you introduce a baby, um, the ultimate test. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you will have a lot of practice. So (laughs) yeah, you will guaranteed (laughs) and guaranteed. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, I mean, clearly your postpartum experience differed from what you expected because you thought you were going to have a physiologically, you know, normal vaginal birth at a birth center and you had to have a C-section. So, you know, if you want to go into anything else that differed, I feel like we got a pretty good idea of like how it differed. But if there was anything that you feel like you want to still share about how your experience may have differed from what your expectation was. Um, no, I, yeah, we, I think we covered that pretty good. Like it was just entirely different. (laughs) Yeah. Just, yeah. Completely the opposite of what you thought, which happens frequently. Like even if it's not like, you know, vaginal compared to c-section a lot of times it's like that did not that was not what i was expecting yeah it's a very common (laughs) response (laughs) to motherhood in general at all stages pregnancy birth postpartum (laughs) like like, wait what (laughs) um and this is a new question that i'm putting in here but in what ways have you changed for the better after having become a mom um so i'm really not sure yet I feel like I'm, I'm very much in transition and I feel like once she's like old enough to be, you know, teaching her things and all of that, I think that I'll have a different answer for that. But, um, I will say though, I'm a little more sentimental. Like I want, so before I was, I didn't keep any keepsakes or like hold on to things or do have any special like traditions, you know, Mm -hmm. and that stems from my childhood. We didn't have anything anyway. So it was like, whatever, you know? Um, so I think now I really want to have, like, I want to make things special, you know, even if she's like, she's too little to understand or know what's even going on. Half the time we do stuff, she's sleeping, but it's just, I want her to have pictures. I want her to look back on things and be like, oh, they gave a shit about me, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. I'm Mm -hmm. the same. I'm like, we need traditions. Like I want to do like specific things for holidays that it's something that our family does and she grows up with that. And that's like a part of her culture and tradition because I didn't, as much as we did things like that, we didn't do, I feel like I want to start our own traditions, you know? So I totally get what you're saying with that. Yeah. I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, but do you want any more children? Um, and if so, how do you know? Um, I don't know because that experience was traumatic. <laughs> um, and sometimes I think like maybe I want another one, but the I still have like fear about the birth again, um, like going through that. Yeah. Well, and you're so you're you're like freshly. I would consider you still in, you're still in the fourth trimester. Like you're still in it. So yeah. Um, I think you you have time as much as you might think like, Oh, I'm like in my upper, like, no, don't let any of that shit get to your head. Like just, just take it one day at a time. Like you have plenty of time to think about that. And it's a big decision, you know, like that's a hard question to answer. And I, it's interesting the responses that I get from different women because it's, it's a, it's a heavy question. Um, But I'm always just curious because sometimes women are on the fence and it's like nice to hear of other people's perspectives of like why or how they know or don't, you know, know for sure they don't want kids and things like that. But yeah, I think, um, I think like there's so many factors lifestyle, you know, with Derek, like he wants to be able to be home and like, we have enough land to farm. I mean, not like a huge farm, but have like kind of a mini farm. So he kind of wants to do that full time. And if that comes about and he's home more, that would be, that's a factor. Cause if he's not, and he's gone like a nine to five and I have two kids by myself, like that seems like a lot because I also work from home too. And managing all that seems like a lot. Uh, And then, you know, financials, the way of the world, like how are things changing? I feel like there's a lot of things up in the air um, with making that decision. Also like the birth trauma is still very fresh. So maybe I want to forget it a little bit first. (laughs) Yeah, right. Age plays a factor. Yeah, age. I know there's so many and it's also so personal, but there's so many. I think a lot of these would be kind of universal for a lot of people of like, what's your family dynamic at home? Like, what's your work 
structure like like mm-hmm. you know financially like all these things come into play age right mm-hmm. so yeah it's so personal and you've got time and you can ruminate over all of that for yeah. the next <laughs> so I have many a, months a couple years I don't I don't think I want to have kids after 40 so I think maybe 38 would probably be the latest to make that decision um we'll got see. a couple years that's plenty of time to think about it and you yeah. know I feel like I'm in the position where I'm I'm on the fence, but I'm leaning towards having another. And I think eventually you kind of just have this aha moment of one way or the other, you know, and you're just like, I feel good in this and it should feel good and exciting, you know, kind of like how the first time felt, I feel like the second time around. So if there's anything in you that's like worried or like, you know, there's fear coming up or whatever, like definitely working through that, of course, like before, but yeah, it's just, Absolutely. it's such a, it's a personal, pers- very personal decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also love asking, you know, knowing what you know now, having gone through it at least once, is there anything, if there were a second time, is there anything you would do different? Yeah. So I would plan for safe co-sleeping um, because as much as you think you're not going to fall asleep in the middle of the night breastfeeding, you are going to. Um, Mm -hmm. so having that planned ahead of time, like we, we ended up getting a sleep number bed that's like really high off the ground. It's a split bed. So both heads go up and it's just like not a good bed for like a family bed. Um, so (laughs) it has like a big crack down the middle. It's high off the ground. Like it's not safe. Um, so like if I was, if I'm ever nursing her in the bed now, I still like, I put pillows around me. She's not going to roll off of me anywhere, but you know, I would have not gotten that bed as much as it did help me in pregnancy because I needed to sleep elevated. I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. Otherwise, like it became very painful at the end. So it definitely helped, but I wasn't thinking long-term and I would definitely have my bed on the floor. Um, and so I would definitely would have done that differently and planned ahead for that. Um, and then I would have planned for a C-section or at least allowed myself. Like I was so Delulu about my birth and thought it was just going to go absolutely perfectly because I had positive mindset. You know, some things just don't happen as you want, no matter how much you plan or like I was doing perennial stretches, massage or whatever, like doing everything for the natural birth. And I was like, I'm not going to rip. I'm going to plan everything perfectly. No, just like, you know, being realistic about it, that things could possibly go a completely different direction, no matter how much mindset you put into it or planning. It's just, you have no control over a certain point, you know? So I would definitely plan for that for sure. Yeah. That's so good. Um, just things you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know these things, right. Unless you had gone through it and it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, safe co-sleeping this bed that I thought was going to be great. Cause I can like move it around. has a big crack down the middle. And yeah, it's just like things that (laughs) we might not think about, which can be really important. But Yeah. yeah, I love that. Just having an open mind and planning, even if it's like, well, I don't want to have a C-section, right? But like, well, what if that does happen and that becomes my reality? Like, what things do I want? You know, right. that's so that's so good to, mm-hmm. to have that in place. Yeah. Well, awesome. If, if there's nothing else that you feel like you would like to share, then I'll ask you to share um, any resources that you found really helpful throughout any of your, any um, stage of your journey. So, you know, pregnancy, postpartum. Yeah. So um, with the... Post like planning and stuff like that. Mindset was key. Um, mm-hmm. The what it, what really helped me was the Gentle Birth Hypno Birthing app. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has like meditations and stuff and uh, things to really help you because that was my whole thing like relaxing, letting go control, letting go of perfectionism. I'm very like tight on things sometimes. So Mm -hmm. like really just letting things go was really key. Um, in the moment, the hypnobirthing didn't really help me much because I was still tense, but I'm just going to (laughs) say, 
I was girl. I tried to breathe and be chill, but my shoulders were up like this. Like it was not. <laughs> um, but it did help me like with the mindset of letting go and and you know a lot of things with that. Um, the hypnobirthing, what was it? Hypnobirthing the Morgan method is a book that really helped me. Um, and then a couple Instagram accounts, um, for breastfeeding legendary milk, uh, the breastfeeding mother or mentor, I'm sorry, the breastfeeding mentor and AZ dot breastfed babies is really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. and then for co-sleeping, co-sleepy and Hey sleepy baby are really helpful accounts to follow too. So nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll link all of those in the show notes. I rem- I remember the hypnobirthing book and the hypnobirthing app. And I was like, it was super helpful during pregnancy and like an early labor and <laughs> just like all kind of like, <laughs> but the mindset, the mindset, yeah, the mindset. was like, what was did good. help was though really was good. a comb, having a comb to squeeze. I saw that. I saw that on the, I think her name's the naked doula. I saw it somewhere on Instagram. Someone was promoting. I didn't yeah. try it. Um, it but- was legit. I was surprised I didn't have bruises on my hands because yeah, I was squeezing it. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was. I have to keep that in mind. I'll have to try that next time because. Yeah. Yeah. The counter pressure was intense. good. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, great. Where can listeners find you, Amanda, if they want to like work with you, reach out to you, have, you know, further questions about your story if you're, if you're open to that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, my Instagram is Amanda Rutkowski. That's it. Easy enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for taking the time um you know being 11 weeks postpartum you have a little one who's reliant on you so i'll let you get back thank you to to your mama life but thank you so much i really really appreciate you coming on this has been great of course thanks for having me thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode please spread some love by sharing this with a friend or anyone who could benefit from tuning in If you'd like the video version of the podcast, check out Birth of a Mama on YouTube. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at the.moms.nutritionist and follow the podcast to be notified of each new episode. If you'd like to support the podcast further, please leave a review on whatever platform you listen on. This helps get the word out there, which helps moms heal and thrive.